2020 has been a roller coaster, leaving many without jobs as a result of the coronavirus and COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast is geared toward people who are in the middle of a crisis, worried about their money or their debt, know someone with these worries, or want to learn more about good financial habits that apply in both good times and bad. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Karen Booth, and I'm with Engage Forward, and today I have Heather Culp and Kim Edwards back with me again. Hello, ladies. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So today's conversation is going to be about financial independence, retire early method. And I'd like to turn it over to Heather, who's going to drive this conversation for today. Heather, take it away. Sure. Thanks for having me again, Karen. It's, it's great to be here and talk about things that I know are, are fun to all of us and near and dear to our hearts. When we got together to, to talk about the topics for this recording, one of the topics that came up was FIRE, financial independence, retire early. It's a method for doing, I guess it's one path to get to where Lucky Kim is, retired before 40. And I'm trying not to hate Kim, but Gosh, that sounds wonderful. I'm 48 and, and, and nowhere near that. But one of the things I, I asked Kim, because I have done quite a bit of reading about this topic, one of the things that I asked Kim to think about and talk about today is whether FIRE is realistic for everyone. Is it something that anyone can achieve? Or is it really something that's attainable only to very high income professionals or frankly, to people who live in their parents' basement and kind of mooch off of everyone. Can you, I'm, I'm sure that's a stereotype. I'm sure that's not true, but I would love to hear your thoughts and your experience on that, Kim. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm happy to, to contribute. So I'll add two components to that. The, the first part is high income salaries isn't necessarily like a steady state thing. It's not like you necessarily like started there when you were 22 and that's where you are. So I just, I first want to encourage that, you know, if you aren't currently at a, at, at a high income level, that is something you can work on and kind of have a plan to get to if that's something that you want to do. But I'm actually part of a Facebook group that has a bunch of people who have retired early. So I, I've been lucky to have visibility to a bunch of different paths. I personally worked at in e-commerce. There was a good amount of stock as part of that salary. I was able to recognize pretty quickly, like these stocks are going up pretty fast, don't sell them. And that hoarding mentality <laughs> helped me be able to, it, it was a, an initial step to getting me to retiring early. But other people do it through real estate. Quite frankly, I don't even understand how to do it through real estate. Other people have done it through pension plans. So I hear it a lot from California and I think also Ohio, where the pensions that they're getting through the, their state jobs has been sufficient for them to be able to retire early. And so so there are a number of different paths. And I would say most people have a very specific path that makes sense for them and may not even be able to do fire in other paths. And, and by that, I mean, know what your strengths are and what skills you're able to bring to your own retirement planning and growth and like go hard after it. Because like I said, I wouldn't even be able to do this doing a real estate path or some other alternative path. But I think it is possible for, you know, pretty much anyone, if you really just think about it as, you know, you, you have the money you bring in and then you have the money you spend. And just coming up with whatever that gap is, knowing what number you have to get to to retire, I use the 4% rule. And so that lets you go in perpetuity 
I never, I should never have my overall balance go down. I mean, maybe from month to month, but in aggregate, it should always be still growing because on average, the stock market, if you look at any, um, let's say 10, 20 year period of time over history, on average, stocks go up 10% per year, seven and a half percent if you account for inflation. So if you're only using 4% of your, your balance to live off of, then you should still have constant growth. And I've actually been able to be lucky to work at some of the top places in the world. So I've been able to learn from those CEOs how to think about companies and invest well. And so my returns are considerably higher than that even. It's understanding kind of what you're able to, what you want to spend, what what lifestyle makes you happy, right? Some people will retire early and get an Airstream and go around the country and that's what makes them happy. And that's a much lower bar in terms of how much you need to save to live that lifestyle. For me, that would make me super unhappy. I'd rather work than do that. (laughs) I think it just depends on what you want. So what do you want that lifestyle to look at? Like, what are you willing to give up in order to achieve that lifestyle? if at all. So. Thanks, Kim. And I, so I think about like, you know, I think the three of us are very uniquely situated in our knowledge points as well as our experiences. Right. But what would you say to, so like the young people that are coming out of college now, or the nurse who's been working for 10 years in her field and is looking to, you know, consider what to do next or the fireman or the the office manager, like the average everyday person who may aspire to this. But if we're being realistic and we're being practical, it's not for everybody, right? So what's the next best way to think about how you can kind of gain momentum in a parallel situation, if that makes sense? I've talked to actually people just coming out of college and they're pretty eager to do this. And, and so the analysis I have people do, that's basically what I did when I was 27 and living in a state that made me really unhappy, is figure out when you're going to retire. That's actually what triggered it all for me. It was an emotional response. I was very unhappy. I had a really great job. I made a nice salary, but I really hated living where I was. And so I thought, if I have to do this, how long do I have to do it? And so if you just know your your basic numbers of what your income is and what your expenditure expenditure is, and then you can use some some rules of thumb in terms of growth of, of any investments that you make, then you can craft a plan and then you make choices. So you can start with a plan of, if I do nothing and I just live exactly how I'm living now, where will that, you know, I, I looked at where my money would be by year and, and I put an age next to it. So, you know, where am I going to end up at 70 or 65 or whatever we're considering traditional retirement age? And then can I, can I do it sooner? And the math can shake out to that pretty quickly because you can use your numbers to say, here's the amount I want. And then basically by doing what I'm doing now, what age do I get there? And then you can say, okay, what changes am I willing to make in order to maybe get there sooner? And am I willing to make those? So um, Jack Ma, who founded Alibaba, said something once that I paraphrase a lot, which is don't think about just the goals that you want. Like everyone wants all kinds of stuff. But what are you willing to give up to get it? So if you really want to have like a large number of children and that's going to be really expensive, that is potentially worth the trade-off of, you know, maybe I'm going to retire 15 years later. I think it's just, okay, here's my current state 
And what are some of the inputs that I'm assuming in this in this current state? And then how do I back out like different choices? Some people retire to like Mexico because it's considerably cheaper cost of living. Other people may think that's just crazy and that's just not a way they want to live. So that's why I think going back to our past segment, that's why I think the math is so important because I think those trade-offs are something you need to make that is very personal to you and your life. And you need to be able to plug that into a model, an Excel model yourself, so you can un- really understand what those trade-offs look like. Absolutely. That's very critical. And as you're talking, a couple things came to mind. I think what factors into this directly and indirectly is life experiences, right? So kind of taking a step back, actually, the first thing you said that I made note of and I want to make sure that people know is that you have to have a plan. You have to create a plan. And if you don't have a plan and you're kind of going off the seat of your pants on this, that's where you run into trouble. So making sure you take the time to create that plan to work from is in a significant step. But here's the thing. The plan by itself is not going to be it. There's times where, you know, you have your plan in place and stuff just happens in life. How are you prepared to manage those things that might take place and know how that will be adjusting your plan along the way? There's things that we can control and there's things that we can't control. And knowing how to factor those inputs into that overall plan is important. The other thing I wanted to just talk to, and Heather as well, you can chime in as well, but A lot of people feel like, okay, well, I'm not going to make it this way from a corporate perspective or from like a day job perspective. So I want to become an entrepreneur, right? Which is a whole other kettle of fish. But they feel that they can make that fire status by being an entrepreneur and, and, and eventually making all of this money. But the realities of being an entrepreneur are very challenging. And so you have to be in the right mindset and have the right drive in order to be an effective entrepreneur, right? I'd be curious about your thoughts on that, ladies. I'll go to the first couple uh, of those points, which is one, I, I think everyone should do the analysis that I'm talking about, whether you plan to retire early or not. All of the analysis is just saying, am I prepared to retire? And then you can tweak things or look at, oh, when can I? But I would love to have 100% of people have a game plan on retirement because I feel like a lot of people, they don't think a lot about it. They don't know if they're off or, or over and don't have to keep working maybe, or they need to really do something different in order to get to their satisfied retirement level. I would just encourage everyone to plan for your retirement. Like It's not particularly challenging. The math isn't super hard. And so this gets you all the way there. To add to another question, I also did an analysis of what are all of the risks. So one of my favorite analyses I did that was a little bit more math intensive is I I said, let's say I retired right when 08 was going to happen, right when the stock market started tanking. How would I have fared? And so I had different rules as to when I got to a certain financial level, I would pull out from the stock market. And so I sort of analyzed, like, would I still be okay? And I was. Um, there were a couple of times where I would have had to sell stock at a less than desirable price. But I think having that in place was a helpful backup plan. But I really do have like five or six backup plans for everything. I do encourage like really think about everything that can go wrong 
and have a plan for all of those pieces as well. I'll chime in on this with a few different thoughts. One is, I do think that all the discussions we've had about priorities and planning is true. I mean, I've read the book, The Millionaire Next Door. I'm dating myself again a little bit. It's an older book, but the concept still holds true. And we talk about it at my law firm from time to time. We do a lot of estate planning and estate administration here. And generally, the folks who leave the most money after they depart this earth are modest people who lived in a modest way. They drove a used car. They bought one home and stayed there for 40 years. They didn't get divorced and they put away the max, you know, that their, that the tax rules would allow and sometimes had an employer match it. And by the same token, I'm sure Kim knows a lot more about this than I do, but I certainly know some people, I'm 48. I certainly know some people my age who made what should have been a lifetime of money before the dot-com bubble burst. And I'm probably sounding judgy and maybe I am, but I think if they had manage things more like Kim is talking about, they wouldn't have to work now, but they spent every penny that came in as fast as they could. And when the party was over, the party was over and they had really nothing to show for it. So I do think it's, can we all retire before 40? No, but can we all work hard and plan well and be well provided for in our retirement? I absolutely believe so. On the self-employment front. I mean, that's something I could talk about for 10 hours and nobody wants to hear that. I'm (laughs) self-employed. I have a lot of clients who who tell me, you know, that part of their money problems, their cash flow problems are that they're 100% commission and that you can't understand how hard that is. And as a partner in a law firm, I'm 100% commission. Sometimes I have great months and sometimes I have terrible months. And I often say I hate my boss because she makes me work 60 hours a week sometimes and I am my own boss. There's, you know, self-employment taxes are more. I think it's important to realize the benefits that you get through a traditional job. If your employer is paying most of your health insurance premiums or all of them, that's a tremendous benefit. So there's just a lot of things to think about there, but I think all of the things that we've been talking about over the last several episodes really do point towards, you know, as long as you're making a living wage, and a lot of people aren't in America, but as long as you're making a living wage, I think all of us over, you know, our entire working life can can do pretty well for ourselves and for our families if we plan right. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll add on too, to the entrepreneurial thing, because I actually did do, I started my own business. I did it for a few years. I think the, the dream of I'm going to start this business and it's going to go wild and have like, that's great to aim for it. Like that's, that's great to have that vision, but it's not good to plan for. You got to see how the business is doing before you can start thinking about how that's going to have a long-term impact on your retirement. The estimations I've seen from some people, myself included, when I started my business are wild. And so if you can start a business, especially like on the weekends or something, and just, you know, keep, keep your paying job, kind of trial it. And then make a decision if you want to move or not move. And then also make a decision like, hey, if after 12 months, 18 months, I don't reach X threshold, it's time to pull the plug. Know when to get out and try to put up as little upfront expenses. I know that it's really dependent upon what the business is. But if you can keep it capital light so that you don't end up in the the situation Heather mentioned in a previous episode of having a $2 million loan assigned to you from a business that didn't work. 
it's probably not best to dream when you have zero experience and zero evidence to prove that you can do it. Try to do it in a softer way where you can trial it and test it and then build, but know that that's a slow grind. Thousand percent agree. <laughs> and even if you do have expertise in the, in the, in the field itself, right? So if you're an expert baker, there's other things that come with that. There's building the business, there's marketing it, there's putting the financial implications in place. There's, there's all these other elements. So that's even a greater plan to have to put together and ensure that you can execute it in the most effective way. And how are you going to support your family? So I don't want the takeaway to be that we're, we're being negative towards entrepreneurism, but at the same token, it's being very fully aware of what you're getting into so that you're not in a position three, four years down the road. I know the stats on small business failures is significantly high, and there's a reason for that, right? So, and kind of threading through, and I know we're going to be wrapping up here in a second, but kind of threading through with all the things that we've talked about for the last four to five parts of this segment is that one, it's important to have a plan. Two, it's important to know the, the math behind your numbers. Three, to re- basically put together that budget and know what your income is and your expenses so that you can to put the rest in savings appropriately. But that threads through everything we've shared in the last couple of segments. So ladies, I do thank you for participating with me today. Um, this has been a great conversation. Hope we can do it again. Any final thoughts before we we disconnect for today? I think also just know yourself, know your know your wants, know know what trade-offs you're willing to make and then yeah. go and build that plan. Excellent. And I think that's a good way to cap it off. So, I wish you all a wonderful day and thank you for joining us on this conversation. Take care.